Coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field, it's the Derek Izzy Show. Making history his story, Derek Izzy. You're listening to the Derek Izzy Show. Welcome back for another month of this great podcast. We will get right into the show of the month. But before I do that, check out the swag store on DerekIzzy.com. Use the link in the show notes. Listeners of this podcast will get 10% off anything on our swag store. Just use promo code Izzy10. That's I-Z-Z-I-1-0. Get yourself some souvenirs from DerekIzzy.com. I recommend the pillow. I've got a couple of these on my couch and they're very comfortable and it shows your support for the show. And now, the topic of today's podcast. Pain thresholds are different for different people. Upon further investigation of the topic of our podcast, the medical community discovered that this man had an extremely high pain tolerance. He was able to withstand levels of pain that were potentially deadly to someone with a lower pain threshold. An x-ray of the body of the topic of our podcast discovered 29 needles lodged in his pelvic region. These needles had been inserted to achieve a specific level of pain. And after years and years of using this technique, some of the needles just got stuck. Some of them remained there until the death of the topic of our podcast. This quote came directly from the topic of our podcast, of whom these needles were discovered in the pelvic region. He penned a letter that said, Grace sat in my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to eat her. On the pretense of taking her to a party, I removed all my clothes, choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take my meat to my rooms, cook and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was, roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not fuck her, though. I could have, had I wished. She died a virgin. Born on May 19th, 1870. The topic of today's podcast was born into a family where his father was 75 years old at the time of his birth. His mother was 43 years younger than his father. There appeared to be some mental illness in this family. Not saying that based on the age difference of the parents, but some actual mental illness like schizophrenia, hallucinations. The father of the topic of our podcast 
was a fertilizer manufacturer. He'd also spent time as a riverboat captain. And five years after the birth of the topic of our podcast, he would die of a fatal heart attack. Being unable to care for this young son, the mother would put him in an orphanage. It was here that he would start learning. He was the youngest child. He had three older siblings that were still alive. We also know that he had at least one sibling who had died. During his time at the orphanage, he was being physically abused. There was very little supervision going on at the orphanage, and they found it impossible to police the actions of all their staff and all the kids. The caretakers would frequently beat the children and sometimes encourage the children to hurt each other. Around the age of nine, the topic of our podcast recalls that he was whipped. As a young child growing up in this very harsh, violent environment, he started to enjoy some of the events that he was witness to. Shortly after this, his mother got a government job and became financially stable, and she pulled him out of the orphanage. He was around 10 years old when he finally left the orphanage, but the damage to his psyche had already been done. I can also reveal that the topic of our podcast's uncle suffered regular bouts of religious mania. Several of his siblings had been diagnosed with mental conditions. Even his mother suffered from hallucinations. It seemed inevitable that some type of mental condition would be inflicted upon the topic of our podcast. Shortly after moving back in with his mom, he began a relationship with a telegraph boy. This boy introduced him to several bizarre activities, including the consumption of feces. This kind of influence would continue to drive the topic of our podcast. When he hit his teenage years, the drive would continue to grow. It was around the age of 20 when the topic of our podcast would make a big move to New York City. It is alleged that that's where he started molesting and raping young boys. But this wouldn't be something his family would stand for. His mom had a plan. She would arrange a marriage for him. At the age of 20, his mom had picked out a woman from Brooklyn, New York. The two of them would marry and have six children together. Several years later, the topic of our podcast would start to have run-ins with the law. In 1903, he was arrested for grand larceny and they placed him in Sing Sing Prison. Shortly upon getting out of jail, the curiosities of the topic of our podcast would lead him very deep into the sadomasochistic world. He would meet a 19-year-old man, start a relationship with him, and then begin torturing him. The man was intellectually disabled. The topic of our podcast would tie him up, put him through some rigorous torture sessions that ended by the topic of our podcast cutting off half of his penis. Originally, the topic of our podcast intended to kill him and cut up his body and take it home. 
but he feared that the weather being too warm would draw attention to him with the smell. The scream from his victim would haunt him in his sleep. He was not prepared for this. The joy he got from torture would be short-lived when confronted with the screams of this victim. He would go back on his original intent to kill this man, and he would try and treat the wound and then leave him. Several years later, the topic of our podcast started having hallucinations. He was hearing voices. He thought John the Apostle was telling him to do things. One of the things he was told to do was insert needles into his body. The self-torture would escalate as he took a nail-studded paddle, hit himself repeatedly with this device. He took wool, dipped it in lighter fluid, inserted it into his anus and set it on fire. He brought children into this, having the children abuse him. This was only the beginning. As he fueled these morbid desires, they would become stronger and stronger. He would have to escalate to something bigger, something more torturous. Most of his victims were either mentally disabled or African-American. He targeted victims like this because they were less likely to be missed. He would later admit that he paid children to recruit other children for him. His tools of the trade included a meat cleaver, a butcher knife, and a small handsaw. As his escalation continued, he targeted an eight-year-old girl. He tried to lure her away from the area where she was playing, but the mother chased him off. He would return later on to that same area, and the little girl's father would intervene and force him to leave. His never-ending curiosity for how pain worked and how others dealt with pain would lead him to continue these experiments. He took up a job as a house painter. This would give him the freedom to travel, work to get some money, but also live a pretty inconspicuous lifestyle. And then his wife would leave him. Whatever emotional damage the topic of our podcast already had would only get worse with his wife leaving. The hallucinations started getting worse, and his need to torture and kill would start to become overwhelming. As torture was not his only means of satisfaction, cannibalism became something that drove the desires of the topic of our podcast. Torture would not be enough. In order to cannibalize, you had to commit murder. So the logical progression for the topic of our podcast is to escalate to murder. He started looking through the newspapers, trying to find places that had families that would hire someone to do housework, do repairs or painting houses. There were a lot more farms back in those days, and farms would hire people to come and help them out. And that's exactly what the topic of our podcast did. And in 1924, there was a nine-year-old Francis McDonald 
The topic of our podcast wanted to castrate him, but he didn't have enough time and the area wasn't as secluded as he wanted. So he would leave the boy hanging from a tree. Several years later, a four-year-old boy was playing with his neighbor. The three-year-old neighbor witnessed the crime when the boogeyman showed up and took away his four-year-old friend. When police heard this story about the boogeyman, they just assumed the child was making something up. But this boogeyman would take this child, take all his clothes off, tie his hands and feet, gag him with a dirty rag, and then began to whip him until blood ran from his legs. He would cut off the boy's ears, nose, gouge out his eyes. The boy was then deceased, and the topic of our podcast would drive the knife into this little child's belly and drink his blood. He would take the body parts with him for consumption at a later time. Ten-year-old Cyril Quinn would be another one of the victims of the topic of our podcast. The letter that I read you at the beginning of the podcast, well, that was penned in relation to this next victim. The topic of our podcast responded to a classified ad where he met an 18-year-old named Edward. Edward wanted to get a job working out in the country get away from the city where his family lived. The topic of our podcast would respond, showing up at the house, saying he wanted to interview Edward about a job. While there, the topic of our podcast got to meet the family. He seemed like a nice old man. He talked about his six children, and the family there got to know him. When the topic of our podcast finally got to meet Edward, he realized that Edward was kind of a big guy. He was 18 years old and he was strong. The topic of our podcast would be able to pay Edward $15 a week, and he left saying he would return. Several days later, the topic of our podcast would return. Money and gifts, everything seemed to be going the way Edward wanted. The topic of our podcast would be like a grandpa to this family. The family invited him over for lunch. During this lunch, the topic of our podcast got to meet 10-year-old Gracie. Gracie skipped into the room. She was actually humming one of her favorite songs. The topic of our podcast remarked about how cute she was. The family had just returned home from church, so they were all wearing their Sunday best. The topic of our podcast could not take his eyes off of this little girl. He challenged her to a mathematical problem. He gave her some money and he asked her to count it. Upon counting the cash correctly, he gave her some of it so she could buy candy for herself and for her little sister. The topic of our podcast would leave and return later that evening to pick up Edward. But before he would return, he had to stop at a birthday party that his sister had for one of her kids. Now, her kids were around Gracie's age. Wouldn't it be fun to bring Gracie along to this party? She might enjoy meeting some of the other kids. 
Now, her mom wasn't sure that this would be a good idea, but the topic of our podcast convinced her. Gracie hadn't seen a lot of fun, hadn't really experienced life, and this would be a really good chance for her to get out of her comfort zone. The two of them would leave. They would not return. Gracie's mom was frantic when Gracie didn't come home that night. Edward went to the police station to report his sister missing. They looked up the address of the topic of our podcast, who said his name was Frank Howard, and he lived on a farm in Farmingdale on Long Island. The police verified this information, only to find that Frank Howard did not exist the police began an investigation. They had a list of child molesters, mental patients. They checked all these against any potential criminals that would have been around Gracie, but they came up empty. They started putting up flyers, and there was no sign of this Frank Howard and no sign of Gracie either. And the police in New York, this isn't the first time They were involved in a kidnapping. In fact, a year before this, there was a kidnapping of a four-year-old where a three-year-old said the boogeyman had kidnapped his friend. Could this be the same boogeyman that took Gracie? Turns out this Frank Howard would take Gracie to an empty house that he had picked out in advance. When they got there, He left her outside picking wildflowers. He was inside taking his clothes off. He would yell for her to come inside. At this point, he was hiding inside the house. She would come upstairs looking for him. He would step out of the closet completely naked. Gracie would start to cry and she ran. She ran down the steps. She had to get home to tell her parents And the topic of our podcast would grab her, strip her down to where she was naked, and then he choked her to death. He cut her body up into small pieces, and he ate her. That letter that I quoted, that was the letter he sent to her mom, and nobody believed it. They thought it was some kind of sick joke, but the police matched up some of the details in the letter and realized This was the killer of Gracie. The police tracked down where the letter and the stationery had come from. They did some handwriting comparisons. And they decided to question the topic of our podcast, this Frank Howard. You can imagine what kind of rumors would spread across the town. That a vicious killer who was killing and eating children was on the loose. Now, the topic of our podcast had had so many run-ins with the police that it was nothing new for him. But the charges always seemed to be dismissed. They analyzed fingerprint evidence. But all the evidence led to the sudden disappearance of this serial killing suspect. But all the evidence would point to the sudden disappearance of this child killing suspect but the police were closing in. There was a knock at the door of the topic of our podcast. It was a Detective King. He would question the topic of our podcast and then promptly arrest him. 
Initially, the topic of our podcast confessed. He was a frail-looking old man, five foot five hundred and thirty pounds. In his confession, he said that the summer of 1928 had just gotten overwhelming for him and he could no longer control his bloodthirst. He would need to kill to satisfy this urge. He gave details about the killing of Gracie, and he even gave some details about when he met Gracie and how his original intent was to kill Edward. But when he encountered the sheer size and strength of Edward, he realized that probably wasn't going to be a good option for him. His arrest was surprisingly easy, and it seemed like he was waiting for the detective. He just wanted out. He said that this bloodthirst would overwhelm him to the point where he would have to murder these children and eat their body parts. But after it was done, he was filled with sorrow. He couldn't believe what he had done, and yet he was compelled to do it, and he could not control the urge. During the trial, the topic of our podcast would be questioned and examined by many, many different psychological professionals. He told the story about his upbringing in the orphanage and the torture that he experienced there. And he also admitted to several other killings. In fact, he admitted so many of them that the authorities figured that he was lying. And with his mental state, we will probably never know. One of the key factors in the trial was actually trying to prove that the topic of our podcast was sane. Because the way the judicial system works, the punishment is drastically different. Whether or not the guilty party was sane at the time they committed the crimes. And the family of these victims did not want the topic of our podcast to continue living. During the trial, there were some witnesses that brought about stories that they encountered with the topic of our podcast. One of the witnesses was Mary Nicholas, the topic of our podcast's 17-year-old stepdaughter. She described how he taught her and her brothers and sisters a game. He went into his room. He had a little pair of brown trunks that he would put on. He'd come out into the front room, get down on his hands and knees, and he had a paint stick that he stirred paint with. He'd give the stick to one of the kids, then he'd get down on his hands and knees, and they would sit on his back one at a time with their back facing him, and then they would put up a random number of fingers, and then he would guess how many fingers they had up. If he was wrong, they would hit him with the stick. If he was right, then they would not hit him. So the end result is that he would get hit. The number of strikes would be equal to the number of fingers that the children had up. When the paint stick wasn't available, they would use a hairbrush. She also recalled that he would stick pins underneath his fingernails and show the children this. The total trial would last for 10 days, and in less than an hour, the jury would reach a verdict. Guilty as charged. After the trial, we found that none of the jurors actually doubted that the topic of our podcast was insane, but ultimately, they felt he needed to be executed. And the only way to execute him was to find him guilty and sane. On January 16th, 1939, 
36 in the Sing Sing prison, the topic of our podcast was executed by electric chair. With the death of the topic of our podcast, we also lose the chance to find out the details of any of the remaining victims, and we may never know truly how many of them there were. He claims to have sexually assaulted at least a hundred boys. He also claims to have murdered at least one child in every state that he lived in. He lived in 23 states across his life. We know based on his confession as well as the police evidence that he definitely did kill at least three people, but there were many other disappearances in the area that could have been the result of his work. Some authorities speculate he probably murdered around 15 different children throughout his 20-year killing spree. In fact, when he was convicted, his lawyer said that the topic of our podcast wrote a final statement before he was executed, but the statement was so grotesque and so obscene that the lawyer refused to share it with anyone and that he destroyed it shortly after reading it. So while we may never know the true extent of the crimes of the topic of today's podcast, we do know a lot about the severity, the perversion, and the mental instability that surrounded this person. This person known as the Boogeyman, the Moon Maniac, the Brooklyn Vampire, the Werewolf of Wisteria, also known as the Gray Man, The topic of today's podcast was none other than Hamilton Howard Fish, but you may know him as the name he took after one of his dead siblings, Albert Fish, because now you know the rest of the story. Tune in next month where we go a little bit of a different direction. And don't forget, April 1st, we will have a bonus episode coming out that has bloopers from 2023. Definitely a podcast you'll enjoy. I know, well, I, I, I won't enjoy it because it's kind of embarrassing, but I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Don't forget to use your promo code IZZI10. Promo code IZZY10. Get 10% off any Derek Izzy Show swag. Use the show notes. To find that website or go to DerekIzzy.com, click on the link to the swag store. Good day.